0: Good morning, Crossroads. How are you today? Are you good? Good. Come on, stand up with me this morning. We are going to praise Jesus in the house of the Lord this morning. Psalm one, Dave. Over us this morning, Amen. Why don't you greet these? Oh, I'm sorry. Come on up, Luke. Let's welcome Luke. <laughs> I forgot <Morning>. about him.
1: <laughs> morning, guys. Good morning. Have a seat. It's good to be with you. Glad that you are here. We're so thankful that you are here. Thanks for joining us online. Hey, church. Uh, I want to tell you about some things that are happening this week, and there are things that are coming up in the next couple months. One, I want to welcome our guests. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Glad you're joining us online. Listen, for those guests in the house, please stop by the Welcome Center. We'd love to connect with you. We have a gift for you by just saying thanks for being our guest this morning. And if you're online, let Elena know that you're online, and we'd love to connect with you online as well. And listen, we know people watch these sermons and watch these these uh, services, and so God's always working even after we think something's done. Isn't that cool? God's always working. He's always moving, so we're thankful for the work and allowing us to be a part of that. So listen, church, I want to remind us that our mission here at Crossroads is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why we exist. And so one of the things that falls under that banner of reaching people is our trunk and treat. So that's coming up on Wednesday, and uh, we have about 815 kids uh, registered. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Uh, I remember telling someone uh, last night and this morning like how many kids are coming. And their eyes got real big that 's exciting like thank, thanks be to God for that so we 're going to be welcoming uh, families and their and their children up here on Wednesday, so please uh, be praying for this. This is a, an event where we 're trying to prepare that ground we 're trying to cultivate that ground to, to welcome these people to to stir their hearts for, for something greater uh, than than candy. You know what I mean it 's like, hey, come on up. And then there's something greater. So we get an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus on Wednesday. So uh, we have an awesome team signed up that's going to help. And so we're glad for those who have jumped on that trunk and tree team. We're going to have an information uh, meeting today at 1230 right here in the auditorium just to talk over what's going to happen on Wednesday and answer any questions. And so that will be 1230 here in the auditorium for the Trunk and Treat uh, team meeting for that. And then uh, Operation Christmas Child, you saw in the lobby there were those boxes. Isn't that – I love seeing those boxes. And in your in your uh, bulletin, there is a handout that talks about all the different ways that you can participate. Uh, so this is a great way to talk through things with your family, uh, your spouse, or, you know, just for you to participate. So this is really, really cool. Uh, and just looking over these different items. You can participate. One, you can grab a box or two. Uh, you can even uh, – you can even pack a shoebox online. Like this is really, really cool stuff. And then also you can uh, mark your calendar for November 13th, and we're going to be having a church-wide packing party. So check out this little handout and all the different ways that we can be a part of the Operation Christmas Child mission here at Crossroads. So we're thankful for what God's going to do with that. And then Charles Billingsley is going to be here on uh, S- December 15th and 16th. And I just want to challenge us so all: be praying for somebody that you can invite to be with you, to join you, and uh, just just get into the Christmas spirit and. Uh, we're going to we're going to we're going to this is going to be one of those things where we're going to have people come. We're going to invite people and we're going to give the gospel and then we're going to have desserts afterwards in the gym. So this is going to be a special special night, both nights, uh, 15th and 16th. Uh, Charles Billingsley's going to be here. And then I also want to let you guys know that we're going to next week. We're going to start to talk about the birthday gift of Jesus. And so talking about, you know, start praying about what is what is your part? and giving the most to Jesus this Christmas season. So God is good to us, and we're going to be good and just be faithful and worship him with that which he's given to us. And in that, thank you, church, for your faithfulness and giving. Online, through the mail, and the boxes, God is growing us in many ways, and one of those is, is, is growing in us in the, in, the, in the grace of giving. So, church, you're awesome, and thank you for being faithful to God's mission. Church, would you stand as we uh, continue on this morning in prayer? Father, thank you for the reminder, Lord, that there's something we can have joy in, Lord, in your house. God, we can have joy because of Christ. We can do as Scripture says, as, as, we've been, as we have been raised to new life in Christ, we can set our sights on the new realities which are on heaven, to not be focused on things of the earth, but to be focused on things of heaven. God, we can have joy in this life, looking at all the chaos, looking at all the crazy stuff that's happening, and we can have peace when we know you. Christ. So thank you, Lord, for that amazing truth that we can claim this morning, and we're going to have joy in the house of the Lord, in your house today, because we have Christ. We have something to have peace and joy about. Lord, you're so good to us, and we just want to honor you and worship you with with this life we've been given. We ask it in the name of Christ. Amen.
0: If you want to see a victory in your life, Jesus Christ can bring that victory this morning. Sing a song with me today.
2: The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. And when the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. My God will never fail. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. And I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. And every war he wages, he will. If we
0: You are so good this morning. We want to thank you for being who you are. Thank you for letting us know that we can have victory in Jesus Christ this morning because of what you did on the cross for each one of us and for rising from the dead and even now preparing a place in heaven for those that call you Lord and Savior. Your faithfulness is so great, Lord God. And we want to praise you this morning for that faithfulness and for who you are. We love you, Jesus, because you first loved us. Amen. You can have a seat, please.
2: you mm-hmm.
3: our great God this morning. What a wonderful time of worship. What a, what a powerful song. Aren't you thankful for that song? Great is thy faithfulness, the faithfulness of God. Uh, this morning we're going to be starting a new series. Our new series is uh, entitled My Shepherd. We're going to be looking at one of the most popular passages of Scripture, this passage of Scripture that you have known and probably have memorized <clears throat> for most of your life, probably most of the world can identify that they at least know this passage. But as we jump into this this morning, I want to remind you that uh, a lot of people come to me and always tell me about the good old days. Okay? Do you remember the good old days? Anybody have a good old days? Your good old days? Raise your hand if you had a good old day, right? Uh, this first picture here is what most people tell me this was the good old days, right? You know, Fonzie, right? It's Richie Cunningham and Fonzie, yo, yo, I mean, those were the good old days. And how many times, you know, if I had a dollar for every time, somebody told me that whenever I was younger. Well, you don't understand what we had in the 50s. You know, it was wonderful. You know, and all those big cars and all the crazy hair, all that stuff, right? I mean, it was just such a, a golden age that you would say. And as you fast forward and you look into today's world, um, we see more of this. We, we see a lot of anxiety. We see a lot of trouble. There's a lot of tension And so whenever we're looking at the things that we're facing today and we look back into 1950s, we say, oh, that was so good because it wasn't so stressful, right? You know what they didn't have in the 1950s was an iPhone. Isn't that cool? Uh, You know, TV was just starting to come out. And, I mean, the whole world was a much simpler world. But uh, but as we look in today, you look at post-pandemic. Man, we have lived through a pandemic. We have shut the world down. Uh, I was reading statistics about, uh, about anxiety and how that anxiety has just gone off the chart. We have children dealing with anxiety. We have teenagers dealing with anxiety. Anxiety is at an all-time high, and rightfully so. I mean, after we shut the world down and we told kids that you can't go to school because you might get sick, and therefore you should stay at home and study and, and hide in your house, of course there's going to be anxiety. We, we, have, we, have, we have put this thing down that, there, that, there, that we've created a fear in our world. And uh, what I'm looking at, I'm realizing today, is that the world is lacking peace. There is no peace. People are looking for peace. They're struggling for peace. And as we jump into this series called My Shepherd, I, I want to remind you that, uh, I, about about the, the good old days. And the good old days were good old days. But I'm going to share with you about, uh, about a, a preacher from the 1950s. He actually uh, published a book on November the 1st of 1953, and it had to deal with healing anxiety. Now, if you go back, and we said 1950s was the good old days, what anxiety did they have? Why would he have to write a book? Why would a preacher have to write a book in 1953 about anxiety? Because anxiety is not about the economy or all these things. It's about something on the inside. And man, yeah, there was a good time. That was a a, a golden era, if you will, of our history. But I'll tell you what, as you go back and you look at... Look at look at the the world. The world has needed peace. The world has not had peace. Uh, a man is what he thinks about all day long. Ralph Waldo Emerson said that. A man is what he thinks about all day long. A man's life is what his thoughts make it. Um, another person said this: You can change your thoughts; that will change your world. So the the, the more you know, the proverb says it like this: Proverbs twenty three seven says, "As a man thinks in his heart, so is he." As a man thinks in his heart... So I want you to catch this. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. This is what happens. We come along and we, we, have to, we, we, we have all these negative thoughts and we begin to think down all the time. We begin to think that life is no good. I'm never going to make it. It will never get better. And the reality is that we go through these storms of life. And as you go through the storms of life, you have to remember that. It's a storm. You go through it. And on the other side, there's sunshine. There's something exciting. There's something powerful on the other side. But sometimes when we're in the midst of the storm, man, the anxiety mounts. The anxiety gets high and it gets heavy. <clears throat> Philippians 4.8, the Apostle Paul told us that we have got to do this. He said, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. And he gives you all these lists of things. He says if there's any virtue, if there's any excellence. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So he's just given us the list of where to dwell our thoughts. So we're we to dwell our thoughts on whatever is noble, whatever is true, whatever is, uh, is pure and lovely. And so as we go through this world and we realize, man, there are a lot of problems. Jesus didn't say that we would be without problems. But there, we look at the problems and we say, where am I supposed to put my focus? My focus it's supposed to be on, on the one who can solve these problems, not the problems. Uh, Dr. Charles Allen suggested that reading the 23rd Psalm uh, would do that. It would be a pattern of rethinking. It would change how that you think. So we're, we come and we deal with anxiety. How do we deal with anxiety? Well, the way that we deal with it is we have to come and we have to say, all right, I've got to retrain My thoughts, because my thoughts, as a man thinks, so is he. So I've got to retrain how my mind, what my mind is dwelling on. And it is not just self-help. It's not just coming along and, and saying, I'm going to dwell on happy thoughts. No, the scripture says here to dwell on what is true, what is noble, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely. Those are the things that we dwell on. There's plenty of negative that is happening in our world. There's always been plenty of negative that has been happening in our world. Uh, and let me just say this on anxiety. Sometimes there is a physical condition. Sometimes it requires uh, treatment, requires, requires medical treatment. So if it's a medical problem, it needs a medical treatment. And I think that there's nothing wrong with that. We have to understand that in our world, man, there's just sometimes you, you need to be treated. You need to get taken care of. You've got to get to the root of the problem. You see, anxiety is the symptom. And so we've got to come down to the root of the problem. And Dr. Charles Allen, he said this. He was a pastor, again, in the 1950s, and he, he wrote this book on, uh, on anxiety. And uh, as he did it, he said that he has met with many people that have went to doctors, and the doctors didn't help them. And he would sit down with them in his office, and, uh, and he would write them a prescription. So can you imagine getting a prescription from your pastor? Yeah, that'd be kind of cool, right? So he pulls out a pen and a paper. He says, this is the prescription. Psalm 23, five times a day, seven days a week. Come back in one week and we'll talk. So he writes down and gives them them that. And they were to go and they were to pray. He would tell these people that were going through these anxious moments. He said, I want you to go through and I want you to pray the 23rd Psalm starting in the morning. So the first thing when you wake up, you're going to pray the 23rd Psalm. And then after each meal, after breakfast, after lunch, after dinner, and then right before you go to bed. And this psalm is only 118 words. It's just a short little passage. As most of, most of us know, the 23rd psalm from a funeral. That's typically where you hear the 23rd psalm pulled out. But that is really sad because the 23rd psalm is all about life. It's all about the the days of my life. It says in the scripture here. And so so the real power comes into this. Uh, the power comes from this passage whenever we allow the truth to train our pattern of thinking. So I allow the truth of God's word. To train my mind. Let my mind be trained by the power of the Lord. Let him train me on what to dwell on. And so the power of the psalm, it's, a, it's a very, very powerful about faith. It's positive. It's an encouraging approach to life. And if you will take this and let it dig into your heart, it will transform you. And this is how we have to deal with this. Because listen, to say that you don't deal with anxiety is probably not true. Everybody deals with anxiety. Everybody has some form or some degree of anxiety that, that kind of causes us to stay awake every now and then. There, there's things that happen in our heart and our soul that just kind of get us. And this happens to me from time to time. I'll, I'll have these nights where I just don't sleep sometimes. And, and, and I'll, I'll, my mind is preoccupied with so many things. And, and then when I come back and I begin to train my mind, as the Scripture says here, and I come back and I put my mind and I dwell where God has told me to dwell it, it's amazing the peace that I have. It's amazing what he gives. And, and the Apostle, uh, the, the David here, David, the sh- he was a shepherd. And so as he writes this, I want you to remember, he is also writing this and he's looking forward. As he writes this, he looks forward. He's not looking backward. David had a, a terrible sin. He had a terrible problem. He sinned. I mean, he, he sinned with Bathsheba. He, uh, he had an affair. And then he gets her husband killed. I mean, this is, this is a pretty bad, pretty bad situation and God still works with the guy and gives him restoration. And he is able to move forward in faith. And as he writes the 23rd Psalm, he's not looking back and saying, Woe is me, I did no bo-. He says, man, he starts off in a powerful way. I, I want you to know that the Apostle Paul said something similar to that. He said, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid a hold of it yet, but one thing I do, and this is uh, Philippians 3.13. He says, Forgetting what lies behind. This is what I do. I forget what lies behind. I forget what I did 20 years ago. I forget all that negative. The scripture, he also told us remember, whatever is lovely, whatever is true, whatever is admirable, think on that. And what do you do about your past? You don't think on anything admirable. You think of your problems from the past, you think of your failures. And the Apostle Paul says, I am not looking back. I'm not looking that way. I'm reaching forward to what lies ahead. And then he continues on. He says, I press on towards the mark. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in Jesus Christ. So this is what I'm doing. My life, yes, I had a problem. Yes, I had failure. He says, I'm moving forward. And this is what David did. And he gives us this psalm as a forward-looking psalm. And I want you to catch this because it's a pretty powerful psalm. We're going to take the next few weeks and we're going to work through this psalm. So let's start and we're going to just read the entire psalm. Psalm 23, 1 through 6. I think you can read it out loud with me. All right, let's try it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. All the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As we do this, I'm going to attempt to just talk about one verse each week. And you say, that doesn't mean you're getting out early. It just means I'm going to attempt it. The very first verse, powerful. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I can't tell you, I have read this psalm over and over. And I've always jumped down to, yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I go right there, don't I? But as you sit back and you take this in and you realize that the Lord is my shepherd, that is so big, just that first line. If we can catch that, this will begin to change how I deal with life. This will begin to help me when I'm having a thought problem Whenever I'm coming and I'm thinking the wrong things, now I can come and I say, the Lord is my shepherd. See, because when I begin to think the bad things, what I've done in the past or what might happen, the Lord is my shepherd. It brings it down. Who is the Lord? He says, the Lord. Uh, in, the, uh, in the Old Testament, they use the name for the Lord here. You notice it says, it's all caps, L-O-R-D. We've talked about this a little bit in the summer when we were going through the Psalms. The Lord, this is, this is Jehovah, this is Yahweh. And so in Hebrew, it is Yahweh, it's the highest name for God. And, and this is His character, the, you get to see the character uh, by Him. It's the Almighty, this is the, the term where we get the Almighty. It's the I Am, the great I Am, I Am that I Am. This is, this is where that word comes from. And so the Yahweh, the Lord, He is the Almighty he simply states here, the Lord is my shepherd. And he's refusing, uh, he's refusing to, to say that, hey, I'm in charge. He's saying, no, the Lord is my shepherd. He is the king and is referring to God. He's referring to the highest name of God. And I want you to realize this because when Jesus came to the earth, Jesus was known in, in, in Philippians chapter 2. We see Jesus is Lord. And that word there is Adonai Yeshua. Adonai Jesus. The word Jesus means the Lord saves. Yahweh saves. Jehovah saves. So when you think about this, I want you to understand this. The Lord is my shepherd. Jesus is my shepherd. Now catch that. Because Jesus is God. Jesus is my shepherd. In John ten eleven, Jesus himself said this. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, so as you think about that, Jesus said he, he, by his own testimony, he says, "I am the good shepherd." Uh, he is. This is this is Jesus who was the he's Yahweh. He, he's he's the Lord of heaven. As he comes down to earth, Jesus himself comes and he is present in creation. Now he is now going to be among the created beings, but he himself was part of. He was there to to create. Over, if you go over to Colossians. Uh, chapter 1, you would read about how that Jesus himself come and he was there at, at creation. And the scripture says that all things were made in and through him for his good pleasure. By him, in him, and through him. So Jesus himself was present at creation. So when you think about this, and Jesus comes to this earth, he says, I am the good shepherd The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. There's so much about an analogy between a shepherd and a sheep that that we probably don't catch because we're not in that cultural understanding of the shepherd and the sheep. But let me tell you here, he says that the Lord is my shepherd. And if we will pause for a few moments and just say, okay, this Lord is my shepherd you can begin to say, Jesus is my shepherd. And you begin to understand that this is a practical working relationship between a human being and the divine God of creation. He says, this is my shepherd. It's a practical working relationship between you and God. He is the creator. This is, a, this is when mere mortals become connected to the divine. That's what... This means, this is, the Lord is my shepherd. David here is talking not as a shepherd himself, he's talking as a sheep. He, is, uh, he was a shepherd, David tended his flock. As a matter of fact, he was known as the shepherd king. But now he's talking as a sheep, and he says, listen, as a sheep, I know that the character of my shepherd can take care of me. David often would do as a shepherd. He would go out and he would look and tend his sheep. He would watch over his sheep. He knew how to do this. And he says, listen, based upon the character of my shepherd, I know that he is my shepherd. And consider how vast that this shepherd is. This shepherd has all the power. And he's talking, that's an analogy between you and your creator. My shepherd. Now, I want you to catch this. My shepherd created the world. Go out and look in the the stars sometime and just enjoy the the creation. How many of you have been enjoying the the beauty of the, uh, right now, the beauty of the leaves? I told you last week, I'm colorblind and I can tell the leaves are changing. I mean, we are, I have plans this afternoon. We're going to go and we're going to, we're going to go look at leaves. And everybody's going to enjoy them way more than I, Right? But listen, this is so beautiful. We have this opportunity here in this part of the world to go do this. And I'm like, man, it's 70 degrees. You know what I'm doing Sunday afternoon? We're going to go to some park and we're going to walk around and ride around bikes, hopefully. And we're, you know, imagine me on a bike. I'm going to try it today. I'm going to jump on a bike. I'm going to Ohio Powell. We're going to jump on a bike for an hour or two and just say, okay. And look at the creation of God. Because this is my God. And when you begin to not just worship the creation, listen, you come and say, oh, that's so wonderful. The leaves are beautiful. I take it a step further. It's not just so beautiful. My God decides to paint for me. My God decides for you to paint. He, he does all these things. That he created all those heavenly bodies. And when you think about all those heavenly bodies, you're looking up into the sky and you just see over and over and over all those all those uh, stars. And then you think about it, how far we are from the nearest star. And if we were to go up and get onto the nearest star and turn around with a telescope, the earth would barely look but a speck of dust. It would be just a little spot. Remember the little blue dot. That's what we are, just this little blue dot. And yet, here I am in my life. I can turn around. I can pick up a handful of dirt from the backyard. And as you pick up that handful of dirt, throw it under a microscope... There's so many microbes under there. So many of these things that are microscopic that we don't even know, don't even understand. All these things, how they, they work all into order. And this is all at the hand of the Almighty God. This is your shepherd. And when things begin to get going bad in your life, I want you to remember that this is your shepherd. He has all the power. He has all the might. And he knows how to care for his sheep. I am but just a small Little speck, like if the world is the small speck, imagine how small I am in this universe. Yet my shepherd knows me by name. The scriptures tell us he is concerned about every detail of your life. He has, he has, he is caring for his sheep. So when you hear that word, the Lord is my shepherd, it is such a powerful, powerful statement that the Lord is my shepherd. And I want to ask you today: Have you come to that? Realization. Have you come to the, submit under the authority of the shepherd? Like, have you come and said, He is my shepherd? The Lord is. We talked about the Lord being the shepherd, like who he is, the Lord. Now we're talking about is. And I've never preached a sermon on the word is before. But it's so powerful. Because that very word is. Tells us that God is. He is the. Somebody's beating a drum around here. I can hear it. Yeah, somebody, I can see everybody's turning around around here, right? The kids are having a ball downstairs. The word is. It tells us that He exists. Go back to, to the very name Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh. He is. He is the self existent one. He doesn't need anything to exist. Isn't that amazing? God doesn't need anything to exist. I need God in order to exist. I need everything that He's provided in order to to exist. But there is only God is the only one who is non, uh, who does not have any other need for anything because He is self-existent. And so when you think about this, He is the self-existent one. The word "is" tells us there. The Lord is. He is exist. He does exist, <clears throat> and that He is. Present is is a present tense. See, it doesn't say the Lord will be my shepherd. The Lord was my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And as you throw that word out there, the Lord is. Just to even stop there. The Lord is. He exists. There are many atheists that are struggling with that very phrase. The Lord is. The Lord is. There was an atheist by the name of Richard Dawkins and he recanted his atheism and he said that he could not prove that God does not exist. The Lord is. He exists and he is present. This is something, not something that is past. This is something that is here for you now. And you get to claim this when you are in your life every day. Think about that. If you were to pray this getting up in the morning... First thing, instead of letting your mind go to this thing, you go to the Scripture. The Lord is my shepherd, the truth of who He is. The Lord is. He is here, He is present, and He exists. He is with me now. The Lord is. And then you, you begin to understand this whole relationship that you have with Him. And then He says that you are His shepherd, that He is my shepherd this whole relationship between the sheep and the shepherd. Isaiah 53.6 says that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the iniquity of us all. So God has taken our sin and laid the sin on Jesus Christ. And then he says over in John 10.11, I am the good shepherd who laid down my life. He lays down his life for the sheep. So this is, this, is, this is so powerful. Your shepherd knows all of your wrong. He knows all of your sin, and he took them on him, and he willingly laid down his life so that you might have eternal life. And not just eternal life. John 10.10, 10, the verse before it says, I came that they might have life, and life to the full. You see, the, the, the thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. Jesus came to give life, and he did that by laying his life down. I think it's interesting that Jesus, in his word, is the good shepherd. And all through the Bible, we see this relationship between the the sheep and the shepherd. Isn't it interesting that we are known as the sheep? He could have chosen any other type of animal. Like, why aren't we known as the horses? Why aren't we known as the tigers? The bears? The bears? Oh my, why, why aren't we known as all those, right? Why aren't we known as any of those? Because we're more like sheep than any other creature. Uh, it's no accident that God co- chose us, uh, chose to call us the sheep. Because as humans, we are much like sheep. We have kind of this, this crowd following, the mob, if you will, right? We, we kind of just follow what everybody else does. That sheep are so, like, they'll just follow the other one. We're very easy to do that ourselves. We're like sheep. How about our fears and our timidity? Man, we've got a lot of fears, don't we? I mean, we have fear on top of fear on top of fear. And those fears can be mounting. Those fears can just really destroy us from the inside out. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament talks about worry, it uses a word that's like to torment it means like the tear of paper. It's to shred your heart and your soul. is what worry does to us. And so when we deal with that, we're like the sheep. We've got a lot of fears. Stubbornness. None of you have that. A little stupidity. I've got a lot of that. Our, our habits. We've got all these things. And so we're, we're like sheep. We do all these crazy things. Yet He chose us and He calls us by name. And he laid himself down, and I'll take it a step further. He lays himself down continually. He does this continually for you. My shepherd lays himself out for me continually. He is ever interceding on our behalf. He is ever guiding us by his gracious spirit. He is ever working on our behalf that we will benefit from his care. Now, think about that. This is the intimate relationship between between a shepherd and a sheep. It's like he knows the name. He knows that. And, you know, for most of you, you have maybe a dog that you kind of do that with, you know? You kind of pull your dog in. You you know your dog by name. You know, we have this dog, Coda. And that dog loves my wife. That dog, like, you know, when she's not home, that dog will sit up on the couch and just look like he's in depression. I mean, he just... I'll come in. He doesn't move. I mean, it's unbelievable that dog does not move whenever I come in the door. But whenever she pulls in the driveway, I mean, this dog is freaking out, right? Because, like, that's her dog. And me, I'm just kind of chopped liver. I think that's how that works, right? So so this is kind of what the shepherd and the sheep had. The shepherd came in, and, and the Scriptures tell us that the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And the shepherd knows their name. And so when you catch the depth of this, the Lord is my shepherd. Phil Keller, Phil Keller wrote a book on the 23rd Psalm. It's a, a book that's probably been around for since the 70s. It's an, a great book on uh, understanding the 23rd Psalm. He says that a shepherd cuts, cuts into the ear of the sheep his mark. So whenever a shepherd goes out and he buys his sheep and he wants to keep his flock, he ends up coming and he takes the sheep and he cuts, cuts a mark into the ear. And he says it's a rather painful process. He says it's painful for the shepherd because he, is, he, he knows these sheep. He knows them by name. But he brings them in and, uh, and, and he comes and he, they'll put their own mark. So that whenever they're out in the flock and should they get mixed up with other flocks, they can easily recognize them. And so he begins to talk about this, and he, he brings it up, and he says about in the Old Testament there was a similar ritual whenever a slave, and, uh, when a Hebrew slave uh, wanted to become a permanent member of a household. Whenever he said he wanted to do that, and if you go over into Exodus 21, you'll read that that slave, when he wanted to be a permanent member of that household, the, the owner would take his ear and go over and, uh, and punch a hole in it with an awl, and, and he put, put it on his doorpost and punch a hole into that. And it was, like, it was like the mark. And so, as you continue to think about this, Jesus, our mark of our shepherd today is the cross. Our mark is the cross. Mark 8.34 says this, And he summoned the crowd with his disciples, and he said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So that's our mark. And so there's, there's going to be times that we're going to, making sacrifices. There's going to be times that we're going to be, we're going to follow what my shepherd says. So not only is this my shepherd, this incredible love relationship, this incredible connection to the divine, but it's also showing that I trust his authority and I trust what he wants me to do. So I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to take up, carry the cross that he's called me to carry, and I'm going to follow him. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. This talks about a concept of being, uh, of being content. Yes, he is our provider. He's the good shepherd. But I want you to catch this. When he says, I shall not want, he's taking it and saying, man, I want you to think more like this. I shall not be discontent. Or I shall be content. That's what he's really talking about. Because we know that, <clears throat> that we don't always get what we want when we want. Isn't that true? Your kids don't get that. Why would you think you would get that? You know when there's good times to give your kids things and bad times to give your kids things. You understand all of that. And so does our Heavenly Father. And there will be times that we will have trouble. There will be times that will be, uh, that'll, that'll be heavy. The burden will be heavy as we're walking through and there will be trouble. Jesus never said, I came that you will not have any trouble. As a matter of fact, in John 16:33, Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You see where you have peace? Not in the absence of problems. You have peace in Jesus Christ. In this world, you will have trouble. Boy, is that an understatement, huh? Wow. We have lots of trouble. Look at the last couple of years. I'm tired of thinking about the last couple of years. I'm tired of thinking what might happen in the future. But I'll tell you this. In this world you will have trouble. He says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. That peace is not the absence of problems. You see, sometimes the shepherd knows, knows what's, what's best. And he knows how to guide us and how to take us through life. Revelations 3.17, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. You know, we have thought for years, and just typically we think this. It's how we are trained in our world, in our American culture. Man, whenever you have a lot of money, you've been blessed by God. Oh, well, this must be the hand of God. Well, he says here in Revelation 3.17, You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. Oh, there's the problem. Do not need God. But you have not realized that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Our shepherd knows what's best for us, whether it's giving us things or not giving us things. He knows when to take His sheep. And well, next week we're going to get into the green pasture. He knows when to take us and when not to take us. He's got this all under control. And if I am the sheep, I am totally helpless without my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Uh, Psalm 37, verse 25. David said this, he said, I, have, I was young and, I was now, and now I'm old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. I have never seen the righteous forsaken. And you know, as I come to think about it in my lifetime, I've never seen the child of God forsaken. I've never seen it. I've never seen the child of God say, I can't make it anymore. God abandoned me. God hasn't abandoned. God is here. He's your shepherd. He's with you. And he says, I have never seen the righteous forsaken. Oh, this is so powerful. This is because our shepherd is with us. And so as you look at this, contentment should be the hallmark of the man or woman of God. Man, if you're walking with the Lord, you'll be content. You see, that's a byproduct of knowing that He's your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He's got every, he has everything that I need. It doesn't mean that I'll have everything that I want when I want it. And you may not have that job. You may not have that relationship. You may not have what you were looking for. But God says, I am going to be the provider. And so when we begin to understand that, we begin to understand that He has us in the palm of His hand and that He's taking care of us. Psalm sixty-eight nineteen says, Blessed be the Lord who daily bears our burden, the God who is our salvation. A shepherd would kind of wake up in the morning, and he would look, and he would go around and count his sheep. He would call them by name. He, he would make his inventory, and he would check on the sheep after a, after a long evening, after the night of sleep. Throughout the day, the shepherd would go, and he would begin to to look and tend to the needs of the sheep. And he would say, okay, we have this. and and, Okay, this one needs this. And he'd go around and deal with the sheep. As he laid down at night, quite often he would lay across the the sheep gate. And Jesus talked about that, about how the good shepherd lays across the sheep gate. He would protect from danger. He would kind of sleep with one eye open and one eye closed. He would have his ears on all the time because if anything was coming to the sheep, he would be out there to tend them and care for them. And this is exactly what God does for us. The God who created night and day never sleeps. The God who created heaven and earth says this, blessed be the Lord who daily bears our burdens, the God who is our salvation. God daily bears our burdens. He's the good shepherd. He says, okay. I see over there, yeah, my my little servant down there in Finleyville. I know. I'm his shepherd. I, I see my flock up there on the hill. They've gathered together. This is my flock. I know what's going on in each one of your lives. He knows you're by name, and he says he is your shepherd. The Lord daily bears our burdens. Psalm 121, verse 3 says, He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. He's never going to go to sleep on the job. God has got your, your 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 number. He knows all about you. He knows everything about you. And He is not abandoning his, his, his seat of authority. He's not abandoning being your shepherd. And so if you can come and begin with this very first verse, The Lord is my shepherd. You begin to understand all about who He is and how He cares for you. Psalm ninety five, verse four, says this in his hands are the depth of the earth. And the mountain. The mountain peaks belong to him. In his hand are the depths of the earth. Did you ever have a little snow globe? Maybe have a snow globe at home you're gonna pull it out for Christmas? Aren't this cool? You put that, you know, inside there's a little snowman. And you wait for it like Three minutes, and then all of a sudden the storm's over. I mean, you pick that up, and you shake that thing. And you got that snow globe, and you're shaking it all around. And, man, it's so fun whenever, you know, if you're the grandparent and the grandkids come over, they pick them up, and they love to play with those things. And that little dude inside of there, he's kind of screaming, Help me! This is bad! This is a bad storm! And, I mean, you can't even see the little dude for a while, right? You, get, you look at the little man and you're like, hey, little man. <laughs> and then you put that thing down and it just kind of all settles and you can see clear again. God says in his hand, in his hand are the depths of the earth. And you're that little man in there, that little woman in there. And you're like, oh, no. But the Lord is my shepherd. And he knows exactly what's going on. He's got this all covered. He's got it all under his command. He allows things into our life. And this is where I can now trust the Lord. I was talking to somebody the other day. They went through a pretty big surgery. And they were telling me that they were clinging to the shepherd. I said, what was on your mind before you went back in to surgery? The Lord is my shepherd. I've read stories about people having open heart surgeries. Pastors crying out to the Lord as they go back before the surgery. The Lord is my shepherd. You see, if you got that phrase right there, that's the most powerful thing of life. The Lord is my shepherd. Listen, when you come down and they're ready to... Going back under that surgery, and they're ready to put you to sleep. What's the thing that comes to your mind? It's got to be the Lord is my shepherd. I always like to know, do they know what they're doing? I don't go under too often, but I did a couple times. And I'm like, hey, one time I heard machines beep. I'm like, do you know what you're doing? And they're like, put them to sleep. (laughs) I was gone. But when I put the Lord as my shepherd, the machines can beep all they want. Because he isn't going to allow anything into my life that he can't defend, that he can't protect. And he's going to be my shepherd. He's going to take me to the green pastures. And so I want to encourage you today. Let's begin to pray this prayer. And I want to challenge you. Maybe maybe for you, you say, man, I've been dealing with a lot of things. I've had a lot of sleepless nights Let's start there. The Lord is my shepherd. Maybe for you it's it's not just to know this prayer, not just to rattle off as a memorized thing, but let's start with my shepherd. This is personal. It's you and God. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I want to invite you to Jesus. I want to invite you to trust him. He died on the cross. He paid for your sin and he rose again. He says, "Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved from the punishment of their sin." That's how you get him to be your shepherd. That's how you get into his flock, is by just simple childlike faith. Dear Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. So, if that's you, would you pray something like this this morning? Dear Jesus, I, I need a Savior. I'm a sinner. You died on the cross, you paid for my sin. You were buried and you rose again. God, I invite you into my life, to my soul right now. I want to say you are my shepherd. And maybe for others in this room and watching online, maybe you have been going through life and you're saying, "Wow, this is the, the life has been hard. Life has been challenging and man, I we have all been scarred by the culture, what things are happening. Maybe for you, today is the day that you say, the Lord is my shepherd. It's okay. He's got the whole depths of the world are in His hand. God is your shepherd. He hasn't left you. He hasn't thrown you to the wolves. He's my shepherd. Father God, be with each one of us, Lord, as we Take in these words, the Lord is my shepherd. In your name we pray, amen. Let's stand together as we sing a closing song of praise to our Lord.
4: Let this dark room in silence fuel imagination. Tonight, the stars shine bright and spell my name. The winter cold chill blows away and bonfire fire warms my heart under the night. I lay here and ponder on All creation You made it all I'm just dreaming in this empty room But my thoughts are gone Cause I'm didn't even see it as a sacrifice. How deep, how deep, how deep